So I'm going to go into the intro now. All right. Get it. Thank you for listening to Hip Squared. I'm your co-host, John Beecham. And I am Troy Kramer. This is American Fantastic Pop Culture Podcast, celebrating everything from the mainstream to the independent, weird, old, and local. Troy, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right. I'm pretty tired. Uh, stayed up late last night watching a movie, but other than that, pretty good. Yeah, I think we're all kind of feeling a little fatigued. I know I am, uh, to just like the winter and working a lot. And um, But we're so close, John. I know, we are. We're so close <laughs> to the holidays. We are so close. We are like within spitting distance of Christmas. Two, and, um, two three-day weekends. Woo! Exactly. So you'll be listening to this all the way in 2017. <laughs> so um, hopefully, you know... There, the the aliens haven't invaded on inauguration day um, for the Trump presidency or any any weird things like that. But right now we're still <laughs> stuck back in 2016, getting to the uh, getting to the finish line. As Troy said, um, so what movie did you see, Troy? So I went to see Moana, okay. which was a pretty good Disney movie. Um, not my not my favorite Disney movie, but Lion King has a uh, has a soft soft spot in my heart. Um, if you haven't checked it out, the music's by Lin Manuel Miranda, the same guy that did the music for Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is about President Moana. It is not quite about <laughs> right. President Moana. Wait, she was a Secretary of the Treasury, right? <laughs> First woman president Moana. No, <laughs> um, this is about a. This is about the Pacific Islanders and why. I think it's like three thousand years ago they were explorers and they sailed all across the Pacific Islands. For years and years and years, and then all of a sudden, they just stopped. They stopped. They stuck on their islands and kind of like, why did they do that? What happened? And, you know, at Disney Disney take on it, like, uh, very fantastical. Um, That's really fascinating, because I don't know. I mean, I know a little bit about Pacific Islanders and, like, their explorations, and I know they used a lot of, like, astro- astronomy and, like, mm-hmm. the currents to navigate, but I did not. Yep. That's really cool that they're kind of getting into, like, because well, it's like history, but then it overlaps, I guess, with like the legends of the Pacific Islanders, right? And it's very basic. Like it's not, it's not getting very deep into uh, like the astronomy and all that kind of stuff and what actually happened. Um, and I, I won't ruin it, but she meets with like early on in the movie, she meets with the demigod Maui, uh, who's her companion through the rest of the movie. Um, but it was good. There's like three songs that, since my roommate went to see it, have been stuck in my head nonstop. Um, so like when he offered, Hey, do you want to go see it? Uh, go see Moana. I was like, yes, so just so I like, can see the rest of this. So songs like, I guess they posted stuff on YouTube where you can listen. Yeah. To so, uh, the three songs that I'm talking about are where you are. Um, uh, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is sung by Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Okay. And that's and... not like a passive aggressive, like you're welcome. No, no. It's a very <laughs> excited, um, sarcastic. You're welcome. Almost. Okay. It's, it's hilarious. Um, it's him saying you're welcome to all the humans that he's helped over the, uh, over the years. Um, and you you have to, you have to either watch the movie or listen to the song because it has a completely different tone and ends on a great note. Um, so was it where you are, you're welcome. And, uh, another song that I'm going to remember like, like 30 minutes after this podcast is done. (laughs) So it's cool though that you are able to listen to those and because like when i was like i remember when disney movies came out when i was growing up you didn't really i mean if it wasn't in the trailer or the commercials like you didn't know until after the fact but it's neat now that 
they're kind of like front loading you and getting you i don't know it's mm. also like a really good marketing tactic because yes. like <laughs> it's like if because that's like why people like Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote such a good soundtrack for Hamilton and I know probably a lot of people went to see the show on Broadway like after they heard the album right and so it seems like now it's like you throw out the hook of the songs and then people will want to see the entire movie itself right there's very few things that like the movie the music of the background for the movie uh one example that might be the new Blade Runner movie okay. uh because it's the Composer is the same one from the original. I've already seen people being very excited about uh, like the new movie just because of that. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, I, I like the uh, Ridley Scott version. I didn't even know until you told me that there's yeah, Harrison yeah. Ford and Ryan Gosling. Oh, okay, so it could be like an actual like sequel, not just like a reimagining right kind of thing. That's right, neat. it's it. I, they've spoiled a teaser trailer, and it's Harrison Ford looking at Ryan Ryan Gosling saying. Uh, was it I used to do what you did oh, so it I is clearly see. he is he was gotcha but now he's old so yeah <laughs> well, it seems like Harrison Ford yeah like he's been going back to a lot of his uh old roles like with Han Solo and Force mm-hmm. Awakens and well that's really neat I'm glad you got to see um Moana and I know like Lin-Manuel was, will probably have a uh more well-remembered soundtrack than the um the new Blade Runner but I bet like for fans of that genre That'd be really, mm-hmm. really neat. That I suspect that music will be great background music for your sci-fi RPG. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Well, um, speaking of RPGs and animation, um, I wanted to talk about a game that came out for the PlayStation 3 in 2013 called Nino Kuni, uh, Curse of the White Witch. And this is um, a sequel just came out for PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. I have not played the sequel because I don't have a current-gen console, but... Um, for those of you who are interested in like Japanese role-playing games, both um, would be really good, I'm sure, to play. If the as long as I think the second game has like probably a lot of the same development as the first, but definitely the first I can vouch for. Okay. Um, so Studio Ghibli is oh. yeah, the people who do the um, art design for the game. Okay. And so, for those of you that might not know, they're a huge Japanese. Um, animation studio they do they're known for feature films mm-hmm. so the ones that people might be familiar with are spirited away mm-hmm. uh princess mononoke mm-hmm. have you ever seen any studio Ghibli yeah shows? i've seen a lot of them uh my neighbor totoro okay uh totoro to- mm-hmm. totoro um oh man those are the like you you got the the first two. Oh, the the castle yeah moving castle, moving castle. that and was so, a really good one yeah he so studio Ghibli is known for having very um cute kind of animation like big anime eyes and um a lot of their stories are like either have children as protagonists or for the most part um like children would be perfectly fine watching but the other thing that studio ghibli does is they are really good at um blending in kind of like either japanese spirituality or like strange monsters and creatures so there's also this kind of like really weird aspect of studio ghibli's work too and um Oftentimes he'll blend in like real world kind of characters, but also like the really bizarre, um, I don't know, just just like creatures or monsters, monsters. or yeah, uh, different different characters. Yeah, no, the I watched. So I have three po- three movie posters in my apartment, and when I uh, was first getting them, I had to debate on which three movies I thought qualified for them, and and Spirited Away was yeah. one of them that was up there, just because. Um, 
I was like, as if you ever watched that as a kid, I have to imagine it's pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, because the girl and the in the movie, the girl's all by herself. Her parents, something happens to them. I don't want to get into too much details. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, you should have by this point. It's been out <laughs> for a while. Yeah. Um, but it's just got a great story arc. Her her development mm. uh, is fantastic through it. You see it. You see um, her grow into a more confident uh, yeah. person, and she doesn't need. You know the guy to come in and save her yeah so there's yeah that's really neat about studio ghibli is that they're very much about um like the main character is, is the driving force and then whether it's a man or a woman or a girl or a boy they are the ones kind of um taking charge mm-hmm. and that's that's really neat especially for you know like if you compare it to old disney cartoons and the princesses like snow white and cinderella that often needed a man to save them but in studio mm-hmm. ghibli it's very much um I know a lot of it is based on like the characters and qualities, and maybe like they get some help from like a supernatural kind of thing. Right. But um, for Nino Cooney, so you can kind of think of this almost as a Studio Ghibli film. Okay. But instead of being a film, it's played out in the form of a Japanese role playing game. So, um, okay. that involves like so you can think of your old like Dragon Quest and Dragon Warrior from Nintendo or the old Final Fantasy games, but it's a lot of exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of fighting battles and exploring dungeons and so it's wrapped in that kind of traditional japanese role-playing game yeah the jrpg yeah it's got those aspects does i mean i'm guessing it does a lot of it has to do something new because that that genre has run itself dry with so many different games that do pretty much the same exactly so what it does new it has a really compelling story so i just set up the premise for you but you play a boy named oliver and he seems to grow up in kind of like an all-american city in like the 1950s or so or like at least that's kind of a mood it evokes okay now that can be a little weird because like the way i've been playing it with my wife kelly like we, we play this game together and we listen to it with um japanese text and English oh, okay. subtitles. but you can listen <laughs> as like the dub speech but um so it's like you know picture this like little boy in mayberry and his mother dies at the very beginning of the game but this stuffed creature that she gave him um his name is drippy and he's this little like monster creature with a lantern on his nose, and he Aww. he um, comes alive with Oliver's tears. And this is all the very beginning, guys, so you're not getting spoiled too much. But um, he introduces Oliver to this like basically this imaginary world, this Probably parallel that. world from our own. And he says that in his world, um, Oliver's mom is a great sage, uh-huh. so she's like this very grand. Um, like wise woman and like among a few of them and so he kind of pulls Oliver into his world and they go on um explorations and meet new friends to kind of be on a search for the counterpart of Oliver's mother okay so that kind of sets up sets it up but it's really just a way to kind of blend in um I don't know like fantastical yeah fantastical setting with like something you're more settled you you're more you know better so you're Mm -hmm. safer with and it doesn't freak you out as much so one thing that tends to happen is like that is a risk when having fantasy stories is dropping somebody into like mm-hmm. this world that you've built that's so fantastical and has all this amazing stuff that the person's just too busy looking around and they kind of get scared. Yeah. And it sounds like by setting it by starting it in this like classical world mm-hmm. they have something to build off of, exactly. something that they can go back to if they mm-hmm. if they ever get nervous. Exactly. And so you can go back and forth between the two worlds. You do spend most of the time in the fantasy world, but um 
it's really neat because like things that happen in the fantasy world will ripple back out into the real world. Oh, cool! And okay. vice versa. Hmm. And so, like, if there's somebody, um, and, and there's a lot involved with curses and lifting curses, hmm. and so, um, and it's really weird because the way they lift the curses is, uh, it's like an emotion. Hmm. So if you were um, really depressed and upset all the time and sad mm-hmm. it, in the game, you would be brokenhearted. Oh, okay. Well, one of Oliver's powers is he has a little jar of emotions, basically. <laughs> and so if you have a lot of joy and enthusiasm for life, like, with uh, your permission, Oliver will, like, take some of that extra joy, mm-hmm. and he can, like, transfer it to somebody who's, like, depressed it out of the huh. dumps and make them feel better. So, yeah. Okay. Is it, it sounds like a very, like, almost narrative story. Very, yeah. very, narr- like, story-built, story-driven. Yeah, and, and, and since it is a Japanese role-playing game, it's very much on rails, so it's not okay. like um, a game like Skyrim or Fallout, mm-hmm. like American-style role-playing games, where it's like very open-world, and you're kind of on your own, and you can choose what you want to do. In the... And who you want to become. Yeah, so it's of... more like you're going through Oliver's adventure with him and kind of like guiding him through that. And there is exploration, there's like side quests, so it's not like you don't have any freedom. Um, but it's like, as far as like the narrative of the story, that is framed by it. Um, and I guess the last thing that I kind of wanted that I wanted to talk about is the combat. Okay. Because that is a little. It's it's kind of like um, if you've ever played Pokemon mm-hmm. or um, some of the like Monster Hunter games. So basically, you can fight as Oliver and his like human friends. Okay. But usually, you're gonna have these monsters, these like fantastical creatures that you kind of gather. And they each have their own abilities, and you like throw them out during battle. Oh, okay. And you have three characters in your party, and then each of those have like three familiars. So it can get pretty complicated. Mm-hmm. A lot going on. Yeah, like a lot of back and forth. But um, if you're familiar with Japanese role playing games, it's not too terribly difficult of a game. And I know a lot of people don't like grinding, but every once in a while, if you just grind for a little bit, then you're just going to be able good. to beat. So yeah. did you ever play, and I didn't play this either, mm-hmm. but did you ever play the Persona games? Like Persona 4, Persona 3. No. So they, it sounds very similar to that. And I say I've never played Persona before, but I know this because back in, like, I think eighth grade, I watched a Persona 4 Let's Play, mm-hmm. and I watched, like, 100 episodes of it. So I pretty much know, like, figured out how the game worked. And it sounds very, it sounds like it carries a lot of the same uh, aspects. It's also a JRPG. Mm-hmm. But there's two different worlds that you're going between. Um, you also have, I don't know what they're called. So the... The Persona, uh, the people that like Persona really like Persona. Yeah, I so mean, I apologize if I don't get this right, but um, the monsters that you like, you also have monsters in that that you're playing out and yeah, like fighting and fighting people. with against okay. to move along in the plot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that seems like something that happens a lot in Japanese role playing games or like other kinds of games where you like gather creatures and then you right. throw them out to fight. And, 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 and I Persona think... is like a real like sci-fi. Like, isn't there a cute like a cute chick? That's uh, the lead character, or? kind of. Well, they're like each one, each game has a different okay. lead character. Um, I think it was a guy in the last one, but there's normally a cute. There's the cute, uh, cute girl. There's mm-hmm. the nerdy guy. It it, okay. gets, it hits all the tropes. Okay. Um, but Persona has this. Uh, what was I gonna say? It has this classic RPG. Nah, I'm totally. I totally lost my train of thought. That's a shame. <laughs> it's alright. Yeah, sorry. It's okay. Um, yeah, there's there's kinds of like games that, where you gather monsters and you can kind of like power them up. Okay, so I remember <laughs> now. So the reason that JRPGs do that as opposed to American um, RPGs mm-hmm. is that in a lot of JRPGs they separate, especially nowadays, they separate your character from the combat okay. by having you like 
throw a uh, throw out a creature, throw out a monster, or play a card, or mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's no longer your. It's no longer you that's hurting the other person, or you that's attacking someone else. It's now um, another creature, so it distances you yeah. from that. And you'll you'll find that like American uh, RPGs will not do that at all anymore. Mm-hmm. Like Skyrim, Mass Effect, yeah. any kind of those games. It's like if you're not hitting the guy, then something something really weird's going on. But mm-hmm. you still have. Um, in Final Fantasy, so in Final Fantasy, you still have your um, like swords and all that, but you also have spells and different things like that. It's it's a different mentality. Yeah, I can see that, and it kind of reflects a little bit of the like some differences between Japanese and American culture. Yes, it's like Japanese culture is a little less confrontational and more polite. Mm-hmm. So it seems to make sense that you would have creatures like kind of like battling for you as proxies sometimes, mm-hmm. and um. I guess, too, like, the cool thing about a lot of these artists, like, um, so Studio Ghibli is really heavily influenced by Hayao Miyazaki, who's basically, he's kind of like the Walt Disney to Studio Ghibli's, um, Mm -hmm. and so he gets to, I don't know if he, how personally involved he himself was in the game, but his influence is in it, so you can definitely see, like, the monsters reflect his style, and, um, Another RPG that I really loved growing up was the Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior oh, yeah. series. And that is by Akira Toriyama, mm-hmm. who also did Dragon Ball Z. And okay. so his, like, when you had a monster in those games that you fought against, like, it was, like, its own, like, cartoonish style. Mm-hmm. And so I think with JRPGs, it's, like, they just really love kind of, like, these cute monsters in their culture. Yes. <laughs> and um, my wife, Kelly, like, studied in Japan for a while. She's really well-versed and like Japanese culture and I know from her like they have like supernatural creatures like kappas mm-hmm. and um or you can even think of like commies yeah mm-hmm. and so like these little like spirits that can influence you either for good or bad so it seems to kind of go along with that dimension of Japanese culture too right well we've been going on this for a while yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went real deep into do you want to ride on a segue what are we going to ride on our segue so, to? <laughs> I'm gonna, so we're going to ride on our segue which is a very sci-fi into uh, Arrival which is a new movie that came out not not a couple weeks ago um, and I, I don't want to get too deep into it because it's, it's very spoiler, spoiler heavy mm-hmm. but essentially what happens is we are following this woman who, um, at the beginning of the movie, it shows she lo- she had a child and she lost that child. But that's not important because, oh my god, aliens. Yeah. So <laughs> just in the, at the beginning of the movie, aliens have descended from space and are just parked outside Montana. Just kind of chilling there. Nobody's really sure what they're going to do. Nobody's sure if they're going to attack. And it becomes um, our protagonist who, oh man, this is awful. I'm totally going to forget her name. Yeah. Um, our protagonist is a linguist who's decided who they have picked out, the army has picked out from the U.S. to help communicate with these aliens because once every 18 hours mm. um, they can go up and uh, go up into the spaceship and talk to the aliens. So the whole setting for the movie, though, is very interesting because it's not, it's not your Independence Day scenario where, oh, my God, aliens. Uh, into, uh, aliens have come down and are killing everyone. Yeah, so it's kind of like they've revealed themselves, but they're not necessarily making any like grand play yet. Right. They're just kind of like, we're here. 
Yeah. Uh, what, <laughs> and and they, they can't talk, like, they can't communicate with humans. That's why they needed a linguist to come yeah. and try and figure out what they were saying. But do, they see, do you get to see the aliens, like, right away? Are they, like, the ugly, kind of, like, bug-like looking aliens? Or do you... Uh, you see them, I think it's, like, 20 minutes into the movie. So okay. you see them pretty soon. They're, they're not ugly. They're just strange. Okay. They're strange to look at, and you're like, huh, that's weird. I don't really... I mean, I can tell that's an alien, but it also doesn't look... I don't know. It doesn't look that real. It doesn't look like something that would actually exist. Mm -hmm. Um, But the whole premise of this um, also builds around, oh my god, aliens have come down in 12 different locations across the globe. And at the beginning, all of these nations are trying to, like, work together to figure out, like, all right, what are they here for? Are they hostile? Are they hostile? Are they trying to help us? Do they, like, should we be worried about this? So are there any these... hot lady aliens that need a date? <laughs> <laughs> well, these things are, like, 50 feet tall, so okay. that'd be pretty strange. Yeah, I guess but, <laughs> but the... it In the early movie, is much more about... Less about the aliens, more about how the world reacts to it. Which brings me to... Which reminded me of this video from one of my favorite podcasts and websites called shut up and sit down they're a board game review website okay um but they played what's called a mega game uh where a mega game is it was about 60 people got together um and they were all separated into different teams and they acted pretty much as each country on earth um and what happened and this Sorry, I should preface this with the name of this mega game was called Watch the Skies. Okay, so, so they, this kind of has an alien theme going into it. Already. Right, okay. so they know, like, all they know going into this is you are going to be playing as a country and aliens are going to appear. That's all they know. Um, so very early on, and, and, you know, this is normal people, this isn't in a movie, so very early on what happens is aliens appear in the sky, so what do the humans try and do? They try and shoot him down, yeah, <laughs> and get 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 obliterated and all this. But it leads to the alien contact in that game was not as important as um, our our team who was playing as Japan. The guys from Shut mm-hmm. Up and Sit Down were playing as Japan, communicating with other countries to um, form alliances, to you know register equipment to. Um, so it kind of becomes a reflection like how the humans respond to the right. alien menace instead of like the aliens themselves being the primary focus. Right. And they, the, um, it's all about how the humans are responding and how the humans are talking to each other. And at the same time, one of the coolest mechanics they have in that is that the aliens were able to um, sow in disinformation. Oh, neat. <laughs> so there's one point where, uh, and again, this video is called, it's called Watch the Skies. It's on okay. Shut Up and Sit Down's website. They actually did two of them. Um, the first one was like 60 people. The second one was like 200 people. Wow. Yeah. Um, they didn't sponsor it. They were just a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's an example of in Watch the Skies where they're talking to the U.S. and they're like, we, "We're not, we're not working with the aliens. They, you know, we don't trust them and all this." And periodically, a newspaper comes out that's published by this, and it's on the headlines is Japan uh, speaking with aliens or Japan's yeah. working with the aliens, and they all freak out because it's like, "What? No, we're not. We're not doing this at all." <laughs> and, and you find out later, it's like, "Oh, it's because the aliens were." Uh, so were they were like sowing sowing misinformation, misinformation like to dividing people, yeah, to divide them up. It was a but. The whole premise 
of um, a large event coming coming to the world and seeing how people react was yeah. really cool. I think that's that is a neat concept because that's one of the things that um like my dream for the earth someday mm-hmm. is for all of us to live as like just one global humanity and like peace and cooperation mm-hmm. among everybody and i know that might seem very kind of like idealistic idealistic yeah <laughs> but that's okay i own up to it i'm an idealistic person but um and i would like just like humans to be able to kind of like do that themselves and see how we're all connected to everything and everybody but another theory that's been floated a lot is like if aliens evade it and we had a common enemy, <laughs> that would kind of be the motivating force for that sort of like that that unity, unity that coming together. And that's what happens in um, that's what happens in Arrival is because the aliens have come down. All these countries, the U.S. is working with China. The U.S. is working with South Africa. Um, China's working with Pakistan, mm-hmm. I believe, is one of the countries in there. So all these countries, like, start working together yeah. um, that otherwise wouldn't. Because they, and then they probably, yeah. So it's like you kind of have to. But that's, that's the thing that drives me insane about, I mean, I guess, like, I don't want to, I don't mean to get, like, too real world here, but it's like, if, like, we could do that for aliens in a fictional movie, it's too bad we can't do that for things like climate change or, like, wars going on everywhere. <laughs> but I guess that's kind of just, like, and that's why we have those things to escape too, is so that we can like forget about our dysfunctioning. Yeah. Well, the issue is that the reason. Well, God, we could get so yeah, deep into politics. <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's interesting though to see how um, how people imagine what that would be like if aliens did come down. And there, mm-hmm. there's a podcast I really like to listen to called Mysterious Universe, mm-hmm. and they get into a lot of um, paranormal kind of topics or like they they also get really heavy into technology but one of the things they like to talk a lot about is disclosure okay yes and and disclosure is this idea that the governments of the world know or at least some governments know that aliens Mm -hmm. um do exist and that we've been kind of like making deals with them back and forth but that the governments and the aliens it's still like a secret that's kept from the populace at large Mm -hmm. and the idea is that um if there ever was disclosure you know, like, how would the world react? And so what mm-hmm. um, what the people in Mysterious Universe kind of come to the conclusion is, like, well, maybe the the world couldn't actually handle that. So if it is happening, like, mm-hmm. maybe that's for a good reason because it would throw in, like, you know, things like religion and government and, and just all of these bedrock institutions of, like, human structure mm-hmm. would, I don't know. Would fall apart. So one of the interesting things is that in Watch the Skies... Uh, since these guys that are playing it, the crew from Shut Up and Sit Down, um, are all new at this, and they're playing with a lot of people that have played mega games before, what happens is, like, the first or second turn, they tell the world that aliens exist. And everyone kind of looks at them with this, like, shocked face, like, yeah. what did you just do? <laughs> <laughs> because they were not expecting it. And that... Uh, so in Watch the Skies, like, going into the game, they didn't know, in, like, the fiction of the game... Well, the people beginning. didn't know aliens okay. existed. The governments did, because these UFOs were showing up, but, you know, swamp gas and all that. Yeah. So the governments know, like, after the first or second turn, it's like, okay, aliens are around but nobody's disclosed it to the rest of the world. Like, nobody's mm-hmm. put it on the media and on the news. Yeah. And then uh, Japan just kind of comes out and says, yep, they're here. That's fascinating. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, if, if if ever humanity discovers aliens exist for real, and, yeah, I imagine, like, I don't know, it's hard to keep a secret, but... 
Holy cow, we are going, we have blown through. We're, we're already at 29, well, not 29 minutes, we're at like 25 minutes because we start our timers weird so we never know when we're actually yeah. at. But we have blown through this this half hour talking about uh, some pretty fantastic things uh, between a rival, which I didn't really get to talk to talk about that much, yeah. which is fine because it's, if I go too deep into it, there's too many spoilers there and it's yeah. a really good movie, you should just, go, you so should just that, go see it. That movie's in theaters now? It's in theaters right now. Uh, I'm sure you can see it at Baxter. You can see it at any, or you can see it at Baxter in Louisville. You can see it at any theater that's showing like big movies right now. Okay. Um, it's gotten a lot of great ratings. I'm not just, the, I'm not the only person saying yeah. it. it has Hawkeye from the Avengers in it. Oh, cool. Uh, whose name I can't remember. Yeah, I know and, who you're talking about though. And it has red-headed lady whose name I'm also forgetting. <laughs> see, this is why you need to do your research before you start a podcast. Well, that's you can also, I mean, people too, I hope, please excuse this, guys. We're still kind of new with this. But you can also Google and IMDb everything. And um, yeah, I think people mm-hmm. that are curious can kind of like find those things out on their own. But it's, I think it's neat to share like why we're enthusiastic about something. And that can kind of be like your launch board mm-hmm. to, uh, to experiencing those things. The other thing I really like about pop culture podcasts, and this is, I guess, pardon me for getting so meta- but sometimes, like, there's not enough time or hours to actually consume everything that's worthwhile. Right. But being able to, to experience something vicariously through other people that are talking about it, I don't know. That's it's like it's, it's it's a good second yeah. second base that you can go by. It's a good second base. Well, um, before we do go, um, wanted to just give a little bit of credit to Danosongs.com. Um, he gives away royalty free music online um so if you have a like a youtube video that you want to edit and you want some music in there he takes donations but all his music is royalty free so thank you so much danosongs.com um for helping us out that way and um if you would like to support the podcast the best way to do that is to find american fantastic on patreon so that way you can support us and um, help keep your earbuds warm and cozy with our love and gratitude. Um, just like the sign says, anything helps. And while you're at it, go ahead and check out American Fantastic. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of great uh, great information, great stories there. It's all fantastic. It's a great escape from the real world, yes. which we all need from time to time. <laughs> exactly. So you guys can and you can find more audio content on American Fantastic as well, uh, visual art, photography, all kinds of things like that. Um, so, yes, that's AmericanFantastic.com. You guys are um, I'm laying down the welcome mat for you, the red carpet. And, uh, yeah, just walk those steps on your keyboard all over there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Troy, do you have anything else you would like to say? Um, I did want to talk about another topic, but we're at the end. So I would just recommend everyone check out a little card game, little board game called Hanabi. Um, it's a co-op game. You can play it with your family. It might be great around the holidays even though the holidays are already passed. <laughs> okay, so we can look up Hanabi, and maybe we'll like table that discussion for next time. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Toodles. Toodles.